All right, so today is Pentecost Sunday, and of course the Greek word for Pentecost is 50, which was, it's about 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we're going to focus on some events that led to the visitation of the Holy Spirit that led to a heavenly prayer language, or also called the gift of speaking in tongues. In the upper room, isn't that interesting? What are we called? The upper room. <laughs> and they were in the upper room, and it opened up a whole new world to God's people. And it says here in John 20, after Jesus was resurrected, he visited with his disciples. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear from the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And I believe that's what he's saying to us today. Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Wouldn't it be something to see him? We would be more than, I think, overjoyed. <laughs> We'd be so excited. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. So he says it again. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. That's a powerful statement. And that statement applies to us today. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus was getting ready to join his Father in heaven, and the disciples now had received the Holy Spirit within them. But in Acts 1, 4-5, it says they were to wait for the gift from the Holy Spirit, which was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he was letting them know, this is what's going to take place. And now it's taken place. The gift of tongues is simply the Holy Spirit giving you the supernatural ability to speak in a foreign tongue that you have no knowledge or ability to speak out on your own. He can give you a tongue direct from heaven, a heavenly language that is not of this earth. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that there are tongues of angels. It will be a foreign language that you will not be able to speak out on your own and only be transmitted with the Holy Spirit out of your spirit. And whatever tongue the Holy Spirit will give you, you will be able to use this 24-7. Well, I came across this, and I thought this was really interesting. You know, a lot of times we don't want to hear what science has to say, but sometimes science brings out some things that God wants to bring out here. So while I was working on this message, I came across an interview that was given by CNN in 2008, which I thought was really interesting. It was a scientific study that was done with an MRI by Dr. Andrew Newberg at the University of Pennsylvania on a pastor who spoke in tongues. 
We know the Holy Spirit is praying through us. However, there are many skeptics who don't believe this. They did a scan and they discovered that when the pastor began praying, the frontal lobe, which is the part of the brain that controls the language, was active. However, when he spoke in tongues, that part of the brain had no activity. Isn't that interesting? No activity. Because he wasn't doing it. It was the Holy Spirit doing it through him. And this was showing that the Holy Spirit is the one who does the speaking. I thought that was really something. A woman was told to listen to the worship music. So as she listened to the worship music, she started dancing all around, and and she was praising God, and she got so excited, and she began speaking in tongues. Again, there was no activity. Now, here's a woman who's just dancing around, praising the Lord, getting all excited, and she's speaking in tongues, and there's no activity in that part of the brain. Again, there was no activity. He also checked out prayers from monks and other religions. And again, there was activity which showed they were the ones who were praying, not the Holy Spirit. I thought, wow, that is really something. Now, I've seen some downsides with uh, charismatics that were wanting the gifts to draw attention to themselves. I've been around charismatics since... Oh, my goodness, back in the 80s. (laughs) That kind of dates me. But, you know, I've been around a lot of charismatic people. And some people, they want a lot of attention on themselves. And so they get all this emotion, which is them and not the Holy Spirit. And so what it does is it really turns people off. And then they feel like, oh, I don't want any part of that crazy person, you know. And... That's what we have to know. We have to really want to follow the Holy Spirit. His lead, not our own lead, not our own agenda, but his agenda. And we must remember that God is a God of order. He does not get up there and do crazy stuff. He is a God of order. And this woman, you know, I remember the first time I had gone to a banquet and the first thing they asked me do you speak in tongues and I didn't even know what it was at that point and I said I guess not I don't know what it is no I don't and it was like oh that's terrible you know and it made me feel really bad because like you know I felt like they were looking down on me And, you know, I I really want you to know that God is not looking down on you if you do not speak in tongues. However, having the prayer language is an awesome thing. Because, you know, so many times we don't know how to pray. We are hearing so many horrific things that are going on. And it's so hard. How do we pray? When you have the prayer language, you can pray because, you know, the Spirit knows better to pray than we do. You know, Paul talked about, all the time, he talked about um, speaking in tongues. And this is what he said. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. That is the reason Paul wrote more about speaking in tongues and the proper use of the gift. Catch that. 
the proper use of the gift than all the rest of the biblical authors. Paul's the greatest authority on the value and the purpose of our spirit language. So let's look at some prophecy that has been fulfilled by the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Peter applied Joel's prophecy about how God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh to the day of Pentecost, when the disciples received the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul applied Isaiah's prophecy of God, speaking to his people with stammering lips and other tongues to the Holy Spirit's gifts of speaking in tongues. Jesus told his followers that at that time he was with them, but when he sent the Holy Spirit to them, he would be in them. This was a fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy that God would give to those who would be his people a new heart. When we accept Jesus into our heart, we receive a new heart and a new spirit. And then he would put his spirit within them. When Jesus commissioned his disciples, he told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And this is what he said. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. All creation. He, has believe, he who has believed in me and has been baptized will be saved. Saved from what? From the penalty of God's wrath and judgment. But he who has not believed will not be condemned or will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed in my name. Now these are signs. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. Do we believe that? Do we believe that when we lay hands on people, do we believe that God is gonna touch them? You know, when I lay hands on people, I always say, this is not my hand, this is your hand, Lord. Do we believe that it is his hand that is laying on that person and touching them? and freeing them and healing them. So then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and they preached everywhere while the Lord was working with them and confirming the word by the signs that followed. But Jesus gave them a command. This is what he said. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. The gift. Do you like receiving gifts? I do. <laughs> if somebody says, go over there, and I have a gift for you, are you going to say, uh, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I'm going to go. No, what you're going to do is, you're going to wait, aren't you? Well, the disciples waited, and they waited. And then there were 120 that joined. But I want you to think about this. What would have happened to them if they had decided to go out on their own and their own agenda? What if the disciples said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go out. I'm not waiting. You know, sometimes we don't wait on God. Sometimes we go and we move ahead. You ever do that? 
Move ahead of God. And Jesus has said, no, I want you to stay in Jerusalem until you receive the gift. So they gathered in the upper room. They were all in unity. That's so important in the church. We all must be in unity, not just this church. I'm talking about the church. (laughs) And that I see we're not. Because there is so much division, there is so much fighting, there is so much bickering, there is so much anger in the church. And that's sad. Because we are God's children. We are God's family. But they listened. They waited in Jerusalem. They waited in that upper room. And in that waiting period, they devoted themselves steadfastly to prayer. Steadfast means committed. Are you committed to pray for this nation? Are you committed to pray for your families? Are you committed to seek God? What is your plan, Father? What do you want? Are you committed to pray for others? Are you committed that when God sends you a divine appointment, are you committed to stand there and do what he wants with that person? Listen to that person. Sometimes you have to listen to people and they can be really difficult. But what if God sent that person to you? Are you committed? The 120 were a remnant of the people. There's a remnant of people that are totally and solely committed to God. It's not their way or the highway. (laughs) It's, I'm going to listen to you, Father. I'm going to follow you in everything that you say, because I guarantee you one thing, if we do not, and we go out ahead of God, or want to do our own thing, consequences follow. And God does not take away the consequences because we need the consequences. We need the conviction. We need to know what God is saying. And this is my favorite part. Listen to this. (laughs) Now we're in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, all together in one place, waiting. And suddenly, a sound from heaven, like a rushing, violent wind, filled the house, the whole house that they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues resembling fire. Can you imagine? Oh my goodness, I pray for that. That as we are assembled, as we are in unity, as we are gathering together, that the heavens would open up and that we would see tongues of fire and that we would see all that they saw. I think God has taken us back to the book of Acts, the church. And they were all filled. They were diffused throughout their whole being with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out clearly and appropriately. 
Now, of course, there were Jews living in Jerusalem. They were devout and God-fearing men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound was heard, a crowd started gathering. Can you imagine a crowd gathering all around Jerusalem? Because, wait a minute, I'm hearing them say something, and I don't know what's going on, but hey, let's go and see what's happening. But you know what? When they saw what was happening, they not only saw it, they felt it. They felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's what it's all about. It's all about the presence of the Holy Spirit. They were completely astonished, saying, Look, are not all of these all speaking Galileans? And what were they doing? They were speaking all different languages. All different languages. How can that be? Well, then some started doubting. Some got in there and said, hey, you know, they're probably drunk. <laughs> they got all this gibberish going on. They're probably drunk. And unfortunately, this has caused division in God's church because of the difference of opinions. Now, you can have four different opinions. Maybe you can think of more. You can be excited about speaking in tongues. You can genuinely be okay, but don't have the understanding. People that don't have any idea of what it is and make fun of it, you can be like them. Or people that are horrified and afraid that this is of the devil or this is too weird. You ever hear that? Oh, they're weird. (laughs) You know, years ago, before I received this, I started out not having any idea. I didn't understand it. And then being afraid. And then genuinely okay, but not having the understanding. Then I went from there to having the understanding and now excited in using this gift. So I understand that. Sometimes it's a process for a person to say, yeah, I want that. I remember the the day that I walked up in an aglow meeting. A man had given the message and he was talking all about it and the Lord said, I want you to have that. I knew it loud and clear, but I was scared. It's like, how am I going to do that? What am I, you know, what's going to happen? Is that going to come out when I don't want it to come out? (laughs) You know, I mean, I hear people saying that and I understand that. We always have to go back to where we were and understand where people are coming from. The Bible tells us that we will be speaking out mysteries. And only God the Father and the Holy Spirit will know exactly what the prayer will be about. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. And that's taken from 1 Corinthians 14.2. You see, Peter, after... He, after all these people start gathering, Pete, Peter opens up his mouth and he begins to tell the story because you see, when we open up our mouth, God will fill it. And we need to believe that. That's why I always pray that. I always pray, God, fill my mouth. When I open up my mouth, 
fill it so that I know it's coming from you. I don't want you coming here and just listening to me. I want you to hear God. I want you to hear the Holy Spirit. Their eyes were opened and they realized that they need help. You see, he began to talk about Jesus and what, who he really was. And they listened to this story. It's like, oh my. And how he was crucified and then how he was dead and then how he resurrected. Oh my goodness, the gospel message. And Peter began to give it. And people began to get that they felt they needed to repent. Therefore, the whole house of Israel recognized beyond all doubt and acknowledged assuredly that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were stung. In other words, they were cut to the heart. Do you ever feel that? Feel cut to the heart. Because you know you said something and you did stuff and you know you shouldn't have done it and you know you shouldn't have said it. You see, that was conviction. God was convicting them. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? They didn't know what to do. And this is what Peter tells them to do. He says, Repent. Change your views and purpose to accept the will of God in your inner selves instead of rejecting it. Repent and change your views. Do you know that's what needs to be done in this nation? Repentance. It's God's love. Yes, he is a lover of our soul. He is one who really loves us. But let me tell you something. We need to be convicted. We need repentance. Every one of us. I don't know how, how many times I have to repent of something that I've said or I've done. But I love when God convicts me because sometimes I don't know. I haven't been aware of it. But when God convicts me, I can feel his presence. And the tears start to come. And I know that I know that I know what he's saying to me. And sometimes it's a matter of, my daughter, you're not trusting me. <laughs> my daughter, you're not listening for my voice. See, he wants us listening for his voice. He wants us trusting him. And Peter says, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of and release from your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise of the Holy Spirit is to and for you and your children and to and for all that are far away and for as many as the Lord our God invites and bids to come to himself. It is for everyone. But not everyone takes it. And not everyone accepts Jesus into their heart. Not everyone believes that he really is who he says and who the Bible says that he is. But now it was time to gather together and really have church. You see, that's what church is all about. It's not the building. It's the people. 
It's us gathering together and loving one another, but loving God first. Why do we bother coming to church? We come for him. Oh, yeah, we want to be with our friends, and, and we want to pray together, and we want to unite. But we should be coming here because God sent us here. Because God says, come to church. It's like the anointing that drips, drips down Aaron's beard and runs down his cloak. Psalms 133 talks about that. Therefore, therefore, the Bible says, those who accepted and welcomed his message were baptized. And do you know how many people started church? 3,000. <laughs> 3,000. Now picture this. Jerusalem. 120 started out. 120. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit moves in. They get convicted and they repent. And all of a sudden, you got 3,000 people. What a way to start church. Now you can have church. <laughs> I want to tell you something. I believe this is where the church is heading. I believe we're heading back to the church of Acts. And God is tired of watered down gospel and people's own agendas. It's everything I, 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 I. And in the scriptures, who was I, I, I? Satan. Everything was I, 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 all about him. It was not anything about God. The church in Acts put the devil on the run. <laughs> Think of that. Are we putting him on the run? Are we really seeking and praying for our nation and for our families? I see so many hurting, hurting families. I have some of that in my own family. And believe me, it's hard to watch. And I see them do things over and over and over again. And then I watch the consequences. And it breaks my heart. You know, Fred says, don't watch it. Don't listen. How do you not do that? <laughs> you know? It's heartbreaking, but we are the remnant. And I'm not just saying this church, I'm saying the church, the people that are really seeking God, really following after him, wanting everything that he has for our families, for ourselves, for this nation. It's the people, it's the church that's gonna have to rise up, but the church cannot rise up until the repentance comes. It has to be repentance. Down on our knees, surrendering our life completely to him. I don't know if you saw this movie. I was watching this movie and this one really got me like, whoa. It's called Church People. <laughs> and it was on uh, Pure Flix. I was watching it. I was getting pretty upset about about it in the beginning because the pastor uh, he was looking for all kinds of gimmicks to bring people in you know he's gonna wear uh, 
real wild shirts, you know, and uh, the youth pastor, he had these beach balls, and he was called the beach ball pastor, you know, and it was just like, uh, can't we just talk to people about the gospel? Can't we just talk about God and, and Jesus? Can't we just do that? Can't we trust that there's going to be a message that God's going to give us? The youth pastor got a little frustrated, and he was tired of throwing all these beach balls up in the air and getting all frustrated with it, and he tried to talk to the pastor, but he couldn't get anywhere. So now all of a sudden they decide they're going to have a crucifixion. They're actually going to put somebody on the cross, and they're going to put things through them and actually make it like Jesus' crucifixion. The youth pastor was so upset, and they wanted him to do it. He said no. Then they picked on another kid that, no, they didn't want him to do it. And finally, at the end, repentance came. The pastor repented. The people repented. They hadn't been told to repent. They hadn't been told anything. You know, we need to be told about the love of God and how much he loves us. Why does he want us to repent? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. Because he has a special gift for each one of us himself. That's who he, that, that's who he is. What's wrong with preaching the gospel message? Now, can you imagine if I had a whole bunch of beach balls in here? <laughs> and I'd be known in this valley as the beach ball pastor. <laughs> can you imagine that? <laughs> but God stepped in through this youth pastor because he knew that it was not right. We don't need gimmicks to bring people in. We need Holy Spirit's presence to bring people in. Let me tell you, when they had all those gimmicks, 3,000 didn't show up just like that. Book of Acts did. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's presence showed up and showed off. <laughs> The church for many years has not gotten involved in politics because they believed that we were to stay separate from the world. I grew up that way. Church not, no, 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 you didn't get involved, you didn't get involved. And so we left one woman take the Bible out of the church or out of the school. One woman. How did the church do that? Because they didn't say anything. They didn't stand up. Because we were told not to. We were told, no, you don't do that. And then we stood back and we allowed Roe versus Wade to take place. And now over 6 million babies have been slaughtered. And now we're trying to clean up and trying to do all this other. And I guarantee you one thing we can't try. We have to pray. We have to do what God says and call in what God's saying to do about, we need Holy Spirit to move.
Sometimes people come to church because it's convenient. Sometimes people come to church on a Sunday because I did my duty. And now I can live the rest of that week all the way I want to. Are we coming to church because of his presence, that we want his presence? Or are we coming to church because it's the thing to do? And all of our friends are there. Believe me, we want to be with our friends. We love to be together. But why are we coming to church? We are living in a world that is changing quickly. Every time you put the TV on, you hear the news. Oh my goodness, you can't hardly believe we're in the same world. Satan has blinded many people's minds. And he is serious about bringing all the evil into this world that he can bring. We're seeing people say and do things that sometimes I feel like we're in the twilight zone. You know, it's like, what? We live in this world? This world doesn't sound like what I grew up in or what I raised my children in. It's not. It's changing dramatically. There are people that are getting depressed, running away inside. Instead of running away from God, are running to God. They're running away from him. The Bible says that we are in this world, but we are not to be of it. I've heard of pastors who say that the Bible is outdated and not relevant for this time. The Old Testament, well, you just might as well throw that away <laughs> to some Why do you think we have the whole Bible, the old and the new? He has lessons. He has teaching in all of it, not just a little bit of it. God's word hasn't changed throughout all these years. People have changed, not God. God's word is still speaking to us. When we open up the Bible, God is speaking to us. So today is the Pentecost Sunday. What is he saying on this day of Pentecost? We need to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit in these dangerous and perilous times. But how do we walk in his power? Again, it begins with repentance. I'm hearing over and over again from prophets that God is sending a death angel that will sweep over this earth. We saw so many people die in the last two years with sicknesses, more and more shootings at grocery stores, hospitals, schools, little children. Breaks your heart. There's so much evil in people's hearts. And the church is the answer. The gospel message is the answer. The Holy Spirit's message, his presence is the answer. I remember when I was going through a divorce in my first marriage. And I remember God 
talking to me and convicting me. I had never heard his voice before. He came to me in an audible voice. And he said, you must be able to hear my voice. I'm going to use you to heal my people. I didn't even understand that. I was a mess. I was a wreck. But that's what he said to me. And I knew that he wasn't going to speak to me like that all the time. So I knew I had to do something about wanting to hear his voice. Because I wanted to hear his voice. And so I began to learn how to spend time with him. I went to church all my life. I grew up in the church. But I didn't know him. I knew about him. But I did not know him. And I remember when he said to me, it's time to clean house. And I didn't understand that. I thought, gee, I thought I was really doing a good job in my house. I didn't understand that. And then I found what that meant. It's time to clean house. It's time to get your thoughts. You really, do you have the mind of Christ? That's what the Bible says. So we don't need to be taking and putting our hands on our mind and saying, ah, I'm losing my mind. No, you're not losing your mind. You got the mind of Christ. And then I realized that I had unforgiveness. I had some anger and bitterness and jealousies in my heart. And God began to reveal those things to me. And he began to change those things in me. Now, is the process done? Of course not. Because we're always going to be allowing God. This is what we should be doing. Search my heart, O oh God, and know my anxious thoughts. Psalms 139, 23. And see if there's any wicked ways inside of me. He began to convict me. Bible says that he's coming back for a bride, for his bride, without spot or wrinkle. What are we here for? Are we here for ourselves or are we here for him? And the question is, are you ready? Are you ready that if all of a sudden Jesus decides that he's coming, are you ready? Are you ready to allow him to change your heart and your mind? This morning we're going to have communion. And Isaac, if you could put on instrumental music, I'd appreciate it. So I'm going to have you go up and receive the elements. Karen, you can start if you would, please. Go by tables. And Pam, you could go.